When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I wanna get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. I'm gonna start this podcast just by asking a, a simple question. Uh, what's your kid's favorite song? If, that's a, if, if there's an uncomfortable silence in your own brain because you don't know your kid's favorite music, maybe you know their favorite artist. My next question, even if you did know what their favorite song was, uh, would be why is that their favorite song? And then can you sing me some of the lyrics or tell me some of the lyrics? And uh, we're still, you know, Elvis Presley, the Beatles, it's a, we all pass along hating our children's music and it just keeps going. Kiss, uh, uh, Metallica, it, it just keeps going. I remember walking through the facility one time and uh, these boys were listening uh, to rap music. And I love rap music. I grew up in the, in the 80s and like, rap music was very popular. But the song, there was a couple words in the, in the song that they were listening to that I said, ah, 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 turn it off, turn it off. And they said, no, 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 come listen, come listen. And I sat down and listened and it was Hobson, Ill Mind of Hobson number five. Uh, and if, if any parent would, would sit and listen to that entire song and read the lyrics and watch the video, you'll understand why I was completely wrong in telling them to turn it off. And in fact, we all started listening to it together, rapping along with it together, because I took a second to listen to the lyrics and it created connection between me and those boys. So I have uh, Douglas Murphy, uh, who is, did you found Blues Behind Bars? I'm part of the band. You're part of the band, Blues right. Behind Bars, and you guys take music into prisons. Into the prisons. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, sure. Douglas, thanks for being on Beyond Risk and Back, and let's talk about your band. Sure. Uh, Blues Behind Bars started with a bunch of seasoned players in the Denver metro area uh, that we play basically a blues genre, and what you know about the blues, it's storyteller music. Yeah. That's what it is. It's passing down tradition, passing down things in a culture, and it's about telling your story. And it's a great format to help people begin to coalesce around where they've been, what they've been through, and how to express that. Because people, essentially, the more you work with people, the more you find out they want to say something, they want to tell you something, they want to tell you what, where they've been. And so the blues, blues Behind Bards was one of those vehicles in which we put a blues band together. And basically what we do, we go into, into the prisons we've been into multiple prisons in the state i've been in every prison in the state wow we also have done county jails which is borderline adolescent into young adult yes, type is. of stuff yeah i've been into the youth offender system where we have uh young kids that have managed to make it into the doc and uh we've been able to take this genre to really break down walls because essentially what we're doing is number one we're playing well and everybody seems yeah, to respect you're that good. you're good <laughs> that helps but there's also another piece to it that we use it as a vehicle uh, to do other things. So some of the things we've done, uh, we've written, we've, we do these blues songwriting workshops. Okay. So let's just, let's talk about what's going on. It's a form of journaling. Yep. 
and putting your story in that elevator pitch because people don't want to hear 45 minutes of where you've been, right? Right. We'll all kind of tune out after a certain level. So how do we tell that story? And then how do we get to the place we're comfortable with it and we're empowered, meaning we get our sense of independence to make decisions about where I'm going in the future. Okay. So that's the vehicle. Um, that's most of, mostly on a volunteer basis. We have some grants that fund it, which is very, very cool. And uh, that, is cool. that coalesce around a little bit of what we're doing. And so. I want to ask a question about, uh, about what you're having the, uh, the, the people in the prisons do. Uh, are you working with men, women, both? Both. Wonderful. So when you're having them tell the story... Um, in, in that musical format, and especially with blues. In my mind, I'm, I'm kind of imagining what you do, and you're, you're getting them to say, don't, 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 uh -huh. and then, right? And, and I know that's basic and everything, but the idea that they could take 45 minutes of their life and put it into five minutes of a song and then put music to it, what are you finding with that? How's this, how's this playing out? Yeah, I think, I think the group, in a sense, when you look at group dynamics and getting any people together, yeah. to get them to put the fronting down, it's a major task. What do you mean fronting? That mask. Okay. That thing they put up to gotcha. block you from getting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, adolescents are great at it. It's yeah, just it's part of adolescence, first of all. Trying to figure out who I am, where I fit, and how to kind of talk about where I am. And so that's, a, that's kind of a task in, with any group to work through those defenses. I find music gets that very quickly. Yes. Gets it very quickly. And so in that format, I'll take the women's prison as a, as a good example. Um, when they start coalescing around a certain theme, hard topics. How do you write about taking somebody's life? Yeah. Or your child. Right. That you caused the death of. Right. How do you talk about that? And in that process, people will tap into emotions. Now, the guy I do this with, he's not a therapist. I am. I'm a trained clinician. Um, he doesn't do therapy, but it is therapeutic. Sure. People will emote, they'll cathart, they'll talk about it. But the, the power of it is like, wow, I'm talking about something I couldn't talk about, but I wanted to talk about for a long time. Could you, could you tell us why music does that? Why does music yeah. crush the castle gate wall instantly? Yeah, it, it by, music is, I've heard it said, music is, is felt, not heard. Okay. And I think at some level, cognitively, when you're using music, it is, it's engaging the full brain it's not just right brain it's the four lobes so you have emotion to motor skills to visual occipital lobe all of those things are interacting at one point so you're engaging people on multiple levels if you find some harmonic thing that can change uh kind of the atmosphere a good melody can bring somebody to talk about something or to tears that they may not necessarily understand i'm 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 grinning because you know, not just symbolically, but, but in, in the archetypal sense, in the Jungian sense, in the Pythagorean sense, we're talking about vibration. Mm -hmm. And when we can use vibration to crack ice, to, to meld water into nice. snowflake, you know, to, to shatter a rock and everything. I just, I, in my mind, as you were talking, I saw that, that defensive nature of someone right. who's a hardened person and how that vibration just moves right through it. Correct. And, and it makes sense. So everything's frequencies. Yeah. Life is made up of frequencies. Yeah. And so I, there's a lot of interesting stuff about that. I had, there was a guy who was colorblind that learned how to memorize frequencies and identify color. It's just 
fascinating. I was like, oh, this is absolutely incredible. And then the emotions begin to integrate in his brain. Right. And so I think when you look at substance use, particularly with substance use, what substance use does is disrupts the automatic nervous system because everything about substance use is induced physically into yeah. the body. Right. So it disrupts everything from stress, warning, fight or flight, and all of those things. Right. So you get very activated especially with adolescents, very activated behaviors. And so that music, when I was working inpatient on an adolescent unit way back in 85 with Parkside Services. Wow. Yeah, this goes back a way. Yeah. yeah, you might have heard of us at the uh -huh. time. I could change the vibe on the unit by simply what I played. So I put some thrash on that dynamic in the unit would escalate. It would simply drive the energy up. Right. Right. And so taking that sonic palette and learning how to paint with it, if you will, that's a little bit of what the therapeutic skill is, is using music therapy and what you do. So currently there's one of Mozart's uh, uh, pieces and Gregorian chants that in all the music that they've been studying, they found that these, these Gregorian chants and one of Mozart's work, and Mozart being an, a, a pretty deep of cultists, a Freemason, and, and understanding symbology at a whole nother level, um, that it actually changes the brain structure mm -hmm. on the unit. That, that, and if you keep playing it in the background, parents who've come in agitated for a family visit are suddenly, uh, because you've got Gregorian chants going on in right. the back. And it was these specific pieces of music. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, as I told you off the air, I'm really into heavy metal. Deep, dark, you know, the, the screaming. And currently there's a band named Prison that I'm very, very fond of. Johnny Crowder, the lead singer. But this is a band that focuses on mental health and recovery. Mm -hmm. And he's got a song called Still Alive. And if you listen to the music, right, on the outset of the music and everything that's going on, as soon as the first notes of this deep and these dark chords and everything start up, Half the people will shut off in the same way that I would shut off when a country music song would start. Country mm. music's not bad. I just don't like it. I think Bonnie Raitt's one of the greatest guitarists on the planet. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I can, I can vibe that. But when I listen to metal music, I feel at home. My brain has a sense of, yeah, that's what's going on up here, folks. And so, when I and so that's when someone says to me, I, how can you even understand what they're saying? Yeah. My response is, you don't understand what I'm saying. Because this is how I feel, right. right? What is it about blues that seems to reach out to everybody? It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's storytelling at its best. I mean, it goes all the way back to Africa with the Garad, who used to kind of pass down traditions through that form of kind of musical, if you will, genre. Um, it just has this ability to talk about life. I mean, it's just kind of a very simple format. You can have a very simple chord structure, and it just gathers people around storytelling. It's just an effective tool. And the music itself is, is a fellowship music, if you kind of understand what I'm saying. It's very relational oriented. It's sometimes conversational, if you will. There's a lot more improvisation than you would hear in other type of forms of music. And it's, it's I could not, I may not have met you sit down and kind of do this group. And all of a sudden I feel like, wow, we kind of connected at some level that I didn't expect. It has that power to it. And so, I mean, music, you know, when we look at instrumentation and music in general, it is about voices. Every instrument's a voice. It's saying something. Yeah. And we're just reorganizing our brain to interpret what it's saying. The style and stuff, I think you were talking about, you know, it's kind of hearing I'm not saying type of stuff. Uh, 
with certain people groups. Uh, the groups that I work with in the inpatient unit that I work with, it's, a, it's an adult inpatient dual diagnosis unit. Um, we have a variation of ranges, 18 up to 60-something, right. which I think is fabulous. Right. It really is quite something to see. And our young whippersnappers will come in and, you know, I might have some meditation music on a violin and stuff and we'll do some journaling around what's playing and they're like, I hate the violin. (laughs) It's kind of great stuff. But it's really, okay, that's where you're at. It's not right or wrong. It's just where you're at. That's what you like. That's okay. Let's talk about what you're saying. We do things like jukebox. uh, Tell me something you listen to. And we'll watch it and listen to it, you know, on video. Those are all effective too. And what what we're really getting to is we give him voice to what they want to say and where they're at. I think that's important. I think that's empowering because a lot of time adolescents, working with adolescents, you're probably very familiar with it. It's a very difficult age to say what they want to say, hear what they want to say, and get some life skills. We'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing, incredible drink to hand out to other people, to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of Guayaki Yerba Mate and brain recovery, brain building. I could, I could spend an entire episode, which I did, by the way, with one of the co-founders, David Carr. So go listen to that Beyond Risk and Back episode. And you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate. And you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate and go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information, the the, the new cutting-edge research in brain development, addiction recovery, mental health. And I get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads, parents. So thank you to Winter Symposium and thank you to Guayaki. Okay, let's get back to our guest. There are, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a band named Korn. Uh, in the, when they first came out, their first album, uh, there was a song on it called Daddy. And it was a, it was a story about uh, being sexually assaulted uh, by a neighbor. And it's called Daddy, and the way the music is presented, it's, it's very much uh, happening within the family. Uh, but the level of honesty that that song was communicated at, because it's a four-minute song, very short, but then the lead singer cries for 17 minutes, and they record it, and he's just sobbing. And it was a level of honesty that we hadn't had in a while. We, we'd had Nirvana, and we had had Metallica, and, and, and you know there were some metal bands that had come back out after the years of hair bands that weren't saying much of all other than I love you, let's have sex, and let's do drugs, which is fine, that's music. But when Korn came out with that, it, it suddenly gave permission for another genre of music to say, I'm suffering. Right. And, and this was a group of 
music fans that weren't supposed to be suffering. We're supposed to be tougher than life and we're supposed to be angry and we're supposed to be, we don't care about the system and we don't care about individuals and we just want to get our anger out. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, this one song gave us permission to be sad about what happened to us and, and say, it happened to me too. And that's the, the permissive nature that we're talking about. And, I, and I'm just, because again, you're in a hardened environment. You're, mm -hmm. with the, you're with the people that everybody's afraid of. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that. What else is coming out of this? Where, what else is being reached by, by connecting with people through the music? Yeah, I think there's, there's several things that are actually going on. It's, you're, you're actually building a relationship right at this very base level. Can I trust you? You're going to show up next week. And we show up. Are you going to be here? We're not doing our concerts. We're doing what you wrote, what you expressed, and we're giving voice to that. That's what we're doing. We're supporting your effort and making a change. But as we tell the guys, and as I've told the guys over the years, you won't get out of the system until you decide to get out of the system, yeah. and not one second before. Right. And so, but you are modeling. I mean, we look a little bit different. We, you know, I'm married to my, my wife, 33 years. Our lead lead guy, David Boyd, he's married to his wife, 44 years. And they're like, you know what? You guys are abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> so, and to us, we're like, well, no, we've been doing this for like ever. Right. But it's really kind of modeling that, you know, it's not like we're we're prudes or anything. I've been down the road. I've, I've been, to, you know, I've had my stuff, and so, but it does create that connection and that safety. That, you know, I could put it down. I could put that front down because that's not the experience in that environment. Everything's kind of play it close to the vest. It seems that you're you're only asking for their honesty. You're not that's asking it. them to change. You're not asking them to be different no. or to let old stories go. No, but they're asking that of us. Yeah. It's not one-sided. They're asking that of us. Brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, we see a lot of movement with it, and especially with the women. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Uh, the young, the young people—that's fertile ground. You know, these these are these are folks that are handicapped in a sense with life skills. They're just not quite figuring out. But there's, there's always that question of like, where do I go from here? Am I a bad person? Am I broken? Am I fixable? You know, having a mental illness or a problem with substance use doesn't mean you lose your voice. It doesn't make you a bad person. You have something to say. And so I think there are opportunities to kind of connect and really place this seed of empowerment and decision-making in their hands where they can have some say over what happens for them in the future. And this is true for families living with adolescents. I know working with adolescents, you know, building that bridge, they're suspicious of everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and building a bridge from, from uh, being an adult to, to your kid, I, this is the time where they don't want a bridge because they've got all these other bridges that are actually right. aiding their development. A lot like, of other voices. Yeah, a lot of, and again, they have to do this developmentally. Right. Like, they have to cut that bridge and connect over here right. that's that's part of it right but you can't not have a bridge to your child right right and music music's the way to something you just said like like just being around you just being in your energy just you know makes me want to wax poetic like you said even no matter how broken you are it's still a song that other people are going to listen to and mm -hmm. say me too right and that's, that's connection, and that's what right. we all want, especially when you feel like you're the worst right. human being on the planet. Well, there's two things that are going on. 
Stigma silences me from the outside. Shame silences me from the inside, right? And so we're always working with those two dimensions. With our, no matter who you're working with, that goes on in families. My kid's locked up. Who am I going to talk to about that? Right. I'm a failure as a parent. Right. You know, families go through guilt. And they, you know, they have brokenness in their family. How do you talk about it? Am I fixable? Am I redeemable? Absolutely. Why not? You know, things happen. And the, the, the sickness is when we're ashamed into never talking about it. And silence is a killer, as we well know. So being able to have voice to that, and this is true for your families and moms and dads out there. How do I talk to my kid? You know, right. Forget the power and control thing. That's not going to work. Is, what's, what's the most brutal lyrics you've heard? What, what, what's, what's the one that's come out that you still say, my God, the courage to share that? <laughs> oh, uh, a mom killing her, her daughter. <sighs> that's tough. How do you write about that? And how do you listen without judgment? Right. And that's, that's the thing. As we wrap up here, my, ch- my challenge to the, the parents listening right. is literally the exercise of saying, I want to listen to your three favorite songs that mean the most to you in your life right now at dinner. Great exercise. I'm not going to judge. I'm going to listen. I want to read the lyrics, and I want you to tell me your story of why these are connecting with you. But you got to be willing to at least trust me that we're just trying to connect. We're trying to listen. And when you listen to me, you validate me. When you blow me off or you just tell me, do something just because you're the power, I'm going to turn you off. And so that level ground, you know, there's a commonality about around brokenness. A lot of people have been through it. A lot of human beings go through brokenness. And when you connect with that commonality, we're on solid ground. When you use the music, it's just a vehicle. It's another way to reach where other things do not reach. And I, I think typically with kids, they don't like therapy to begin with. No. Don't therapize Nobody me wants again. to be told that what they've been doing is wrong. Right, right. I, I think the, the, the wraparound of what you do for me is the idea that someone could write about killing their kid and you can stay connected through the tune. Yeah. And we do, and we have a way to write about that. Yeah. You know, and that's a craft. Yeah. That's the skill. That's the therapy as well. You just told me something you've been sitting on for a long, long time, and you want to talk about it. That's not, if you don't have a place for that, most people on the outside aren't going to get it. Of course. It's not safe. Most people don't understand my music. Never understand. And and, and, and how could you understand her music other than to listen to it and to feel her when she says it? And what you said, you feel music. You don't hear it. You feel it. Absolutely. God, how could you not feel her in that moment? Yeah. Well, if you get a chance, listen, uh, Demi Lovato, I don't know if you saw the Grammys or anything like that, but Demi Lovato had gone through a relapse, and she sang on the Grammys about that relapse. Check it out. It's worth a look on YouTube and, and listen to that song. It's powerful. We'll do it. Back at you. If you get a chance, listen to Corn. I'm going to do that. Daddy. I will. It's going to rock your world. Listen to the full For full version. 20 minutes. <laughs> okay. Because when you, hear, do... when you hear him cry, uh, you're like, oh, that wasn't a song. He was letting me in. I'll just say, you know, I will say this one other thing as clinicians, as human beings. You know, there's some naturally therapeutic skills. Empathy and connection, genuineness yeah. will 
take you down roads that other things will never do. Yeah. And so. Douglas, thank you so much for this. Yeah, how can, how can uh, How can parents come your direction? How can well, families find you? Yeah, there's a website uh, called B3, Blues Behind Bars. You could do that. Uh, my, I'll give an email if that's okay. Please do. That's D, the number two Murphy at Comcast.net. You just flash me an email, heard it on the podcast. We'll follow up. We'll see what we can do and have a conversation. And you're can. also here with an organization. I work with uh, West Pines on a dual diagnosis alcohol uh, substance abuse unit. Adults? Inpatient adults. Okay. Uh, I think the youngest is 18 and yeah, up. 18 and up. Uh, we make it work. It's a great environment. Love doing it. And uh, we have some other things that we do that um, I'm in the process of finishing up with with a book and stuff. Spirituality and addictions. That's not ready for prime time yet, but we'll, gotcha. we'll get that out. Douglas Murphy, uh, Blues Behind Bars. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting. And I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show. And I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium. And of course, all my fans everywhere all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.